On nights when the moon is full, I see them cavorting in the woods behind my farm. I hear the rustling of their giant tree-like limbs as they lift themselves in adoration to their mother, the dark brood queen Shub Niggurath. They ask for her blessing as they seek to embrace the void. Hello, good evening, and remain indoors. Have you tried kill all the poor? You are not a Buddhist, you are in a cult. Suck it, Nietzsche. The wave returns to the ocean. Where it came from. And where it's supposed to be. Not bad, Buddhists. Warning. This podcast contains foul language, dark invocations, and treating women like their people. Welcome, friends, to episode 140 of Embrace the Void, where we hold you in our hearts. This week, we have on a longtime friend of the show for another glimpse into our secular community. So, ramblers, let's start a rambling. All life ends in death, which we, as a species, are cursed with knowing, resulting in... Something. My guest this week is Neil Polzin, longtime friend and patron of The Void and director of SoCal Camp Quest Session uh, and board chair for the national organization um, that has gotten so many thanks from so many podcasters for their wonderful support. Neil, uh, would you like to say hi to The Void? Good morning, Void. It's so nice to have you on. Um, Neil heard Nick Fish and the Atheist um, episode talking about Neil and Camp Quest and realized that he actually had the patron power that he could exercise to come on the show, which is silly because we totally would have had you on the show to talk about yourself anyway. But Oh, um, sure, but it's nothing here. like furlough and uh, everyone's sitting at home these days to take a look at what you can really do and, and try and reach out and chat. Yeah, no, it is nice to, to have you here so that you can talk about yourself rather than just talking about you. Um, and I, I like, you know, I love CampQuest.org as an organization, so I have no problem uh, stumping for them with my with our show. Um, so why don't, let's talk a little bit about you first, and then we'll have you put on your CampQuest.org hat, and you can, you know, stop being inappropriate and talk about, like, dealing with children and things like that. So, um how so so how would you sort of personally identify as the way I like try to get into this what's the what's the essence of neil polzin that um you would want someone to understand if they were only going to have like one interaction with you in their lives uh well so personally again not necessarily for camp i, mm-hmm. I would say i did pretty good in selecting what would be my my facebook and uh twitter handles 10 years ago now that would be probably heathen the vegan that seems to uh settle me up quite a bit Okay, so heathen, and atheist, vegan, that's what we're going with there? That's it. Okay. Um, what do, do those things converge from something? Are they, like, both the result of, like, you read Peter Singer or something, and it, like, killed your belief in God and, and convinced you of the ethics of, of veganism at the same time? Or do you feel well, like they are a philosophy for me is definitely a way to, to get back on that. Um, mm-hmm. Oddly enough, growing in the Scouts, growing up in the Scouts gave me a lot of religious um, exposure to different backgrounds. And that kind of helped me realize everything was crazy and bullshit. 
Uh, when I start mm-hmm. digging deeper into some of those claims, and once you're kind of willing to uh, write off society, it's much easier to start throwing some other pieces of society out with it too. So, <laughs> yeah, that is sort of a, a. I mean, that is probably why a lot of uh, religion slash cults tend to try to isolate their members from reading about other things because comparative religion doesn't generally it seem to work out effectively very well for uh, any of the religions involved. Um, so yeah, you mentioned that you were in scouting, and so that means that you, me, and Nick, I believe, all count as atheist Eagle Scouts because we are Legion. Um, so I'm curious what sort of formative experiences you had in scouting, both positive and negative, that um, drove you, I guess, inevitably to uh, become the leader of an alternative um, scouting activity kind of thing that is explicitly for atheists. Sure. And well, at Camp Quest, we're obviously uh, inclusive. So atheists, but everyone can come along too. We, we don't sure. want to label the kids. So while Sorry, we're right. definitely self selected parents uh, who are definitely uh, over select on that atheist side, I wouldn't want to put that label on the kids. But you're absolutely right. Um, Scouts, as I had mentioned, actually gave me a lot of backgrounds. Uh, two different religious beliefs and able to take a look at those. I was very involved with the Scouts. It was, you know, Everything for me, I guess, working, uh, whether it be summer camps um, as a, a paid professional, uh, lifeguard working in their scout shops. I am an Eagle Scout. I did their national jamboree on staff, uh, kept it up actually through college. So I was an aquatics director for them when uh, hmm. eventually uh, working for the Secular Student Alliance at the time as a regional campus organizer. Uh, and this is uh, early 2000s, mid 2000s. So Facebook and everything, social media is a thing. Uh, so it's, it's definitely a case that I'm the atheist and out there. Uh, but working for the scouts. So it started to get some pressure on that, uh, where it kind of came to a point. I didn't like that kind of being tense and not knowing what was going on. So I wrote the the Boy Scouts a letter saying I'm an atheist. I heard that's not okay. What are you going to do about it? Uh, of <laughs> course, they wrote me a letter back saying, uh, well, we don't know who you are anymore. Uh, you're no longer long allowed to volunteer. We don't find you fit to be around children. And as such, you're no longer qualified for your job. Man, what year was this again? 2005? Uh, I'd have to take a little bit closer look, actually. Probably 2008, uh, towards the, the second half of that, because I was working 2000 for the more Alliance. recently than it should be, is what you're saying, right? Correct. Like, uh, and pretty explicitly, wow. they were okay even saying that, um, and as a direct result. So I'd already mm-hmm. been working with the Secular Student Alliance, um, doing their regional campus organizing. I was just graduating with a degree in philosophy from Cal Poly Pomona. Um, and so at the time, Camp Quest was just starting up in California in 2008. And Mm -hmm. so uh, I was happy to join them as just a counselor and have uh, been assisting since teaching a lot of the same good parts of the scouts uh, as far as nature and environment and just, you know, an American summer camp experience with archery and swimming and canoeing. Uh, But instead of some of those crazy religious pieces, we instead swap out rationality and critical thinking um, Mm -hmm. and philosophy skills instead. Okay, so let's back up a sec there because I think there were some some valuable crumbs you dropped along the way, and we'll get back to Cam Quest. Something about two religions that you picked up in the scouting. Oh no, no, not not two. I was oh my my experience with the scouts. They have uh, religious oh. emblems or religious awards, um, mm-hmm. and so being say out west and all the different summer camps out here, the Mormons kind of have everything taken over. So mm. you get to learn all about Mormonism, Mormonism just being in the scouts. Um, Baptists are, are quite a bit out here. Of course, lots of Catholics locally. Uh, and so you have these different religious events. You get this different religious exposure uh, where I think I probably would have been more like my family and just apathetic to religion um, uh-huh. if I hadn't gotten this broader exposure thinking, oh, no, everyone's kind of in this shared delusion. 
Do you have any specific like moments when you were hearing a particular story or religious material and, and just like being blown away by how absurd it was or did it just all seem like mythology to you from the beginning? Um, I'm sure as a kid, it, it in retrospect, it looks a little bit clearer now. I would say I, I mm-hmm. never truly bought into any of it. I mm-hmm. kind of realized that first Christianity was was all made up. Uh, and then, you know, in the scouts looking at these other materials uh, in the this would have been late 90s, early 2000s, you know, the more that spiritual age, uh, trying to look into mm-hmm. other religions, mm-hmm. do that spiritual search. Um, it wasn't until I actually really got to college that, you know, atheist became a word that I knew and realized that, you know, none of the above was an answer. But I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say mm-hmm. I was probably ever a, a believer in anything seriously. Fair enough. What was your Eagle Project? Uh, worked at the LA Arboretum, completely revamped the upper water gardens, uh, put oh, in a cool. about, I'd have to look at it, two, 300 ma- uh, hours of, uh, well, I would say man hours, but child uh-huh. woman hours, you know, whatever right. you have people out in the Eagle Project worth. So it's actually really quite cool. fun. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really pretty. Um, so what we're like, you know, we I think a lot of us who got valuable things out of the um, scouts experience, it's a little easier to talk about like the silliness that went along with that. Are there like particular really positive trips that you went on or events that you did or uh, like moments where you really felt like you got a lot of value out of that experience that like is why you want to carry forward kind of the spirit of scouting, if not the, um, some of the, well, yeah, I the don't fringe. want to put too much of a commercial on for the scouts because, uh, obviously right. I think right now they, they are a discriminatory, uh, or, or discriminatory organization. Um, they don't like us atheists regardless mm-hmm. of, you know, every other group they seem to let in, but you know, youth development, youth leadership, getting people out there, um, in the woods, in nature, uh, and really having those abilities and chances to build that other community. So much of the community we see at camp that gets built, whether that be at Camp Quest or it would be at the Scouts too, um, are people that you don't get to have those interactions with at school. You don't get to have them with in your day-to-day lives. Now, that's all the more important for the secular community because so often these kids think they're the only one or they're not openly secular at school. It's not something that they think they can they can admit to or talk about. Uh, and mm-hmm. so coming to camp, they suddenly have a community they didn't realize they existed. Uh, the Scouts was there, and that is that community for a lot of people. Uh, you know, what what theater might be for some people, what band might be for some people, Scouts definitely was for me. But but being able to take those bad parts um, and, and put in better parts, not not just replacing, you know, bad with okay, but putting in philosophy, putting in critical thinking, putting in uh, inclusiveness as a, a real value, I think, brings us pretty far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're you have a bit of a like mild mannered normal ego, right? Aside from all of this atheist secular uh, camp quest stuff that you do, right? So um, I think you mentioned that your background when you went to undergrad was actually initially in science. Is that correct? You got a BA in science? Uh, no, so I went initially went to uh, BA and was doing chemistry. Uh, okay, getting through that, I realized that. Uh, philosophy of science was was actually more of my passion. Okay. Uh, I liked all the the science itself, but uh, after a couple hours in the lab, that lab work it you know got old, and so <laughs> I was okay going more to the philosophy of science. And and where I was at at the time, Cal Poly Pomona, um, mm-hmm. they had a real good program in philosophy of science where it had a lot of mind, a lot of consciousness, a lot of things that were really, I mean, I for the early two thousands at this point, mid two thousands, going real well, um, and. It, it was an easier transition than I thought coming over from science because a lot of those upper division science classes I took actually still counted for electives 
uh, the way they had their program set up. So I was able to to still get out relatively quickly, um, but then took that and and took it to another level, get my my master's in philosophy as well. But that one really focused more on ethics and religion. Yeah, well, I think we can all agree that moving from science to philosophy of science is progress. So and I then can ethics, understand right? why it's just it's right. one steady forward. Oh, obviously, up towards the platonic form of the good, which all things are ultimately attracted to. Um, uh, so. It doesn't exist, <laughs> but sure. <laughs> well, so what are the issues in philosophy of science that, that attracted you up from chemistry besides just getting out of the lab? Were there Are there particular questions that uh, really eat at you still, even as you're, you're doing other things out in the world? Um, well, I, it was consciousness for me that we're really going at at the time. And, and you know, mm-hmm. people like Dennett were really big in publishing, and there was that big overlap then with the, the Four Horsemen and the Atheist Movement. Uh, mm-hmm. But for me, consciousness was the the real piece to dig into. And again, this was 2002 through 2006 or so. So a lot more science was happening at the time than it had been in, in the decades previous as far as brain damage studies and, and chemical uh, and MRIs and what we're able to take a look at. So, I mean, those were all really interesting to me and able to follow down that rabbit hole. Do you have any view of like where you stand on things like the hard problem of consciousness at this point? Um, sure, but probably not that I can fit within an hour. Oh, that's okay. We don't need actually right <laughs> answers. Just, you know, some sense of where you're at in the world. Um, well, with no free will, I really think that it's, it's more mm-hmm. epiphenomenal and after the fact. Oh, okay. So you like, you just think that it's a lot of fancy fireworks that are going on that we're just sort it, of... Every piece of brain science we've looked at, it, it, it seems to be that the, the decision to lift your arm is made or made before that actual thought to lift your arm is. Uh, mm-hmm. Consciousness is riding on after the fact. Uh, it could be that homunculus in the Cartesian mind, but it's, it's no free will, doesn't have any effect on things. It likes making sense of the chaos around it. Mm-hmm. Do you wonder at all why something that's so resource intensive would ultimately be an after the fact thing rather than something that actually plays a functional role or do you just like is it not a super concern because you see it as sort of a a secondary effect of more functional systems um i'm looking at it more like that secondary effect um i really in that way almost think that functionally everyone could be a philosophical zombie so Mm -hmm. in a in an isolipsism uh way i'm not even sure other people are functioning in the same and so mm. we could say it's high resource functioning, but we, we know how often our brain tunes out, how often it zones, how often it, it doesn't seem to be thinking on anything in particular. Uh, so I also think the illusion of how much it's doing is a bit of an illusion. Do you think that you're a philosophical zombie? Um, I think there wouldn't be a difference if consciousness is <laughs> You wouldn't <the> know. <laughs> um, I think that's – I think that's uh... – Interesting. I mean, like, I I am ultimately still doubtful of the idea that I could be doubtful of my own phenomenal experience. And I think that you have to kind of hedge and cheat in a way to make the illusionist argument work. But well, no, and I, I think phenomenal experience can can happen. It's just being played to us. It's being played to us. So there's nothing that we can do about it. Well, so that seems like a little more than just you can be a philosophical zombie, right? Because that, to me, the core of being a philosophical zombie is not having phenomenal consciousness. Oh, no, I meant, but I meant functionally. Um, uh-huh. That someone was a philosophical zombie. If, if that observing wasn't happening, there'd be no way to tell the difference. Back that I agree with. Okay. Uh, I think I am existing uh, and I have that, fel- uh, you know, that consciousness. And I think other people could have that consciousness. Um, it was just a matter of there's no functional way of testing that. 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly agree, and this yeah, is something that I definitely drive home with my students, that it seems like to me, if you had an entity that acts conscious and you wanted to try to test if it was really sentient, you would have no way to prove that it was. That it, like, its its behavior would, would be sort of functionally indistinguishable from an entity that doesn't in a way that you can't, you can't really bridge that gap. So I think I, I, think I agree with you on, on what you're saying for the most part yeah, there. Yeah, I think that's a larger point, because I would say I had consciousness, I would... Uh... I would guess and assume everyone else has consciousness. I just have no way of testing or, or finding that empirically mm-hmm. uh, the way that I would think it's set up. So, so did you then, uh, what did you do in terms of like a thesis or something? Cause you did a master's at least, right? I did a master's. I went back, but, uh, I just, I did great timing with this. I went back during the last recession, uh, oh, okay. and, uh, went the, the comprehensive exams route instead. So, really just was able to focus with class okay. load as opposed to anything in particular. But ethics was that, that general focus. Right. Fair enough. That's the right answer. Um, so, and, and during all of this, were you still working with CamQuest? I've uh, still been working with CamQuest. So most of that time, well, actually all of that time with CamQuest, unlike the scouts, has been in a volunteer capacity. So mm-hmm. always given up my summers or vacation during the summers to go and uh, volunteer uh, in person at one of, in the SoCal camp in this way. Uh, but also with the National Board Service. So for the last seven years or so, I've been on the National Board of Directors, uh, and then the last three, their board chair. And so that's another uh, nonprofit volunteer role, but something that I see as a, a real fun way that I can give back to the organization uh, and try and help it grow and and become the best organization it can be. Wow. And, and if, if I may ask, I'm curious, what is it that you do sort of the rest of the year that you can, um, despite having a philosophy degree, afford to to volunteer your time in that kind of way? Oh, well, now furloughed, but in true voidedness, you know, used car salesman yeah. that got promoted okay. to a, uh, a a phone center supervisor who supervises selling used cars. So, you know, complete void. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, are you on the particularly terrible end of the uh, used car salesman uh, perspective? Oh, no, you, don't, no, no. you don't strike I'm, me I'm, as like the deeply seated narcissist version. No, 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 no. I'm actually on the very, very good end at the world's largest dealership. Uh, have a great employer doing everything they can for their guys out there. But uh, well, that's good. In a particular time where it's hard on on car sales, and I, I don't know what's going to happen with when we open back up here. Recession's never good for auto industry, but uh huh. So you're in the situation you said furlough, like that means uh, you're not getting paid at this particular moment, but you still technically have your job. Uh, I, I'm still employed. My my employer is going out of the way to keep everyone on the books uh, to okay. keep their insurance going. They're actually even paying for uh, employees' end of insurance, making sure that's being covered and things like that. So. Mm-hmm. I have no complaints about the day job. Uh, That's great. So, unfortunately, just about how you know the orange buffoon is running the the country and why right. we have to take these extreme measures because we decided for for months to instead do nothing. Right. Yep. That that is the unfortunate situation that we are currently trapped in. Um, so you've got plenty of time then, I suppose, to work on things like um, Camp Quest. So maybe do you want to don your Camp Quest hat and we could talk about this in more sure. detail? Less cursing here. Um, yep. Yep. So uh, like obviously t- at this point, I would normally be encouraging people to to sign up to volunteer for summer. Uh, mm-hmm. This summer, we don't know exactly what's happening. Um, of the the different sessions we have running across the country. A few have already gone out and canceled. Uh, a few more have not taken that action yet. Obviously, uh, across the country, each state and when a camp lands, be that June, July, August could be a very different scenario. But uh, it's still great to check out campquest.org, even if not for this summer. Volunteering makes people better as well. Um, mm-hmm. And so I always encourage everyone to sign up for a week if you can do so. 
if you have the vacation time to spend, uh, it might not be this summer, but nothing else. There, there's always volunteering at home uh, and, and other ways to give back for people to, to check out as well. Okay, yeah, and I want to talk a little bit more about what y'all are doing in the present situation, but I thought it would be nice to start with a little more idyllic, um, maybe describe for us the the optimal functioning of CamQuest. What does it look like, you know, in a day and in a week? Um, what are people going to be doing while they're out there? Um, you know, just kind of getting a sense of how things would be functioning if you weren't dealing with all these sure. issues. So our traditional camp program uh, is Fun Friends and Free Thought. So it's a lot like a, an, a traditional American summer camp experience. Kids are out there doing archery. They're doing rock climbing, uh, canoeing, depending on the location. You have a lot of those just summer camp activities, hiking, getting out in the woods, uh, and spending a week, what's typically a resident camp. Now, mm-hmm. instead of some of those religious or prayers or kind of other activities that the scouts or other YMCA or Christian Bible schools might do, uh, instead, they do uh, philosophy and they look at logical problems or instead mm-hmm. they do science and look at evolution. Uh, mm-hmm. And so all those pieces, you know, when when people like me and you as Eagle Scouts are looking back and saying, oh, well, you know, I wish the Scouts are better. I wish the Scouts would do this or I wish there's an organization even beyond the Scouts that did these kinds of things. Uh, that mm-hmm. week long summer camp is really what Camp Quest has been aimed at. Now, over this last year or two, we've been trying to expand that out. We realize mm-hmm. there's a big gap in youth development programs and youth development available material uh, for the secular community. And so right now we're actually hiring a program director. You can find that application if anyone happens to be interested at campquest.org. Um, but that program director is going to be tasked in putting together additional programs that we can send out uh, and people will be able to do in their own communities, be it after school programs or day camp facilities or day camp kind of programs. Uh, we really know there's a big gap there when it comes to uh, just youth development materials for the secular community, something that churches have been doing great for, for decades and, and even centuries. So like just, just all sorts of kinds of activities people can do in their own neighborhoods, stuff like that to get people sure. and, thinking in these ways. Uh, right now we have lots of uh, Camp Quest at home activities that you can also find at campquest.org. But mm-hmm. one of those things that we're, we're pretty booked up on, but you can always check out are things like Socrates Cafe that we're running every Wednesday right now. Uh, and we'll be continuing to do so as we go through this pandemic. What is that? Uh, so Socrates Cafe is when you, in this case, get a lot of the youth together um, and you throw out a, a philosophical question like, what is death? Uh, mm. And then you let the kids discuss it. So the ideas of the, the moderators aren't you know, to, to really run that talk, uh, more just to moderate it, but kind of let those kids explore those, those topics. Uh, sometimes, you know, with a group of eight-year-olds, those can go very light, uh, but mm. sometimes they can go very deep. So we, it's always a, a fun experience to kind of really see what these kids are thinking of. That sounds really great. What's the, where is it like located? Is it an online forum? Oh, that's a virtual case. Uh, that's one of the activities we do at camp as well. Um, mm-hmm. But we're doing the virtual ones online. Again, you can find those things and other Camp Quest at home activities at campquest.org. Okay, so all just through the website. So you've got your own like forum set up and everything. That's really cool. Yeah, uh, and those do take moderators. So I do think we are currently booked up for this upcoming one. Um, but we're we're looking on sourcing more of those through our volunteers, and hopefully we'll have more capacity by the time this airs. Okay, so that's the the philosophy side of it with the Socrates and whatnot. Is there also like sciencey questions that they sort of talk about, or what kind of materials do y'all have on that front? Oh, sure. When you when you come for a typical, um, whether it be resident camp experience, there's going to be activities that are grade appropriate or age appropriate uh, based on evolution, uh, natural selection based on, I mean, even writing experiences, 
Um, we even, you know, can have uh, jugglers come in and do that kind of thing on free time activities too. So there's going to be lots of different experiences for the camp or for the kids at, at camp. Uh, and then during some of these programs that we're going to build out, they're going to really run that same kind of gamut, but really again geared at the secular community, uh, and all produced in that kind of or all produced in that in that thought and in that direction. And what was the the age range again? You would say for the materials that that y'all are providing and for the camp activity, uh, eight to seventeen. And of course, once 17. you hit eighteen, wow. we'd be happy to have you back as a volunteer. Uh, that is mm-hmm. going to the materials will vary, of course, depending on those age ranges. Uh, and then at our camps themselves, we really focus on inclusivity. So a lot of our camps uh, have gender inclusive cabins. We have that available. Uh, we have a lot of different program materials available for different age ranges uh, and different developmental availability as well. Do y'all have like a transitional system whereby campers who are hot, oh, like 17 and whatnot start to take on some responsibilities if they are looking Absolutely. towards So what people, or, normal people uh, in a camping world might be familiar with CITs, uh, counselors mm. and trainings. Uh, we focus on actually a leadership tracks or LTs, but, but very familiar things to, to people in the camping world. Very cool. Um, so y'all, y'all do any sort of like art stuff or is it almost entirely sort of science, philosophy, logic, atheism, <laughs> stuff like oh, that? Oh, no, absolutely. And yeah. um, I have a little bit harder time speaking on some of that art because that is going to vary a little bit more uh, depending on what program you happen to be at. But we do things like Big Sound Jamboree. So actually, Shelly Se- uh, Siegel was able to visit us uh, this last session in, in Southern California. And she did some sing-alongs with us and we did some songs out of that uh in that kind of key and again secular background and mindset uh mm-hmm. we have all kinds of different activities when it comes to art my background's in philosophy so i'm always kind of thinking and paying attention to those ones uh sure, but for those of, of you who are other inclined as well uh, we do make sure to have that wide variety i have heard that some people like to think about other things besides philosophy especially when they're ah. out trying to enjoy nature or something i don't know <laughs> i'm just trying to give a rounded perspective here um so if y'all go up to 17 do you do increasingly like high adventure you mentioned things like hiking do the hikes get more challenging for older age groups or is it sort of means texted Uh uh-huh yeah and we're running 20 sessions across the u.s uh and so you're going to see this vary a little bit site to site it's a little bit harder to speak to universally uh but absolutely Mm -hmm. we're going to have age appropriate uh, both physical activities uh the hikes will get longer and harder uh ross blotcher i don't know if you know him from the owner ross and carrie podcast he's one of our Mm -hmm. counselors in socal and uh, every year he does the Oh No Ross Hike of Doom and Gloom or, <laughs> or things along those lines. Uh, he'll just put as many as many horrible, dangerous death uh, verbs on that thing as possible or adjectives uh-huh. on that thing as possible. And you know what? He gets those uh, 15, 16, 17 year olds signing up um, and wanting to, to hike off to Mordor for him. So To go up the side of a cliff. That's it. That's pretty funny. How far? So I'm out in like Jersey-ish area. Are there camp quests out here that I might not have to travel so far if I wanted to volunteer? You said 20 across the country. How how broadly sure, spaced are y'all? And again, that's um, well, not perfectly spaced, but campquest.org. Everyone's going to be able to take a look at that. Uh, okay. Chesapeake is probably going to be the closest to you in your location. Chesapeake, Virginia. Uh, correct. Yeah, we're a little bit light oh. up north. We've. Uh, had some Pennsylvania interests that might be the next one to come along here. Uh, Pennsylvania and Utah have been kind of fighting it out. But this year with the uh, the pandemic, everything's kind of on hold for a second. 
Well, I'm from uh, outside of Richmond, so Chesapeake is not a hard uh, a hard stretch, and certainly appealing oh. in a variety of ways. So, this, I'm, I'm, I'm actually literally asking for myself because, like, <laughs> I really like all of the things that you're describing, and would love to, if I was able to, um, functionally do it, volunteer in this kind of way. Camp makes people better, uh, and that's mm-hmm. you know whether it be for counselors, for kids, uh, even for people who can volunteer from home. So anyone that has that ability, I definitely recommend it. Uh, and yeah, actually speaking of Virginia, our national offices are in Stanton, Virginia, so just down the road there as well, oh, uh, oh, no. in the Shenandoah Valley. <laughs> I know where Stanton is. My uh, my mother lives in Stanton. Um, oh, well, so we're, we, we're down in the Innovation funny. Hub. If you want to come and say hi, uh, I'm oh, not man. located in the office, but. Um, the, that program director can work from home or in the Stanton area is another option. That's, that's super funny. Um, so you were, you were just talking about how it makes people better. And I totally agree when I was doing teaching out at, at Bucks Rock, I, you know, it was the most, some of the most formative experiences of my life by far. Um, do you think of it like explicitly you said, you know, you philosophize, so you're an ethicist, like what kinds of ethical language do you think about when you're like developing these kinds of programs is it is it like a lot of virtue theory or are you like explicitly like teaching kids about deontology or giving them trolley problems or things like that <laughs> uh we've definitely gone through trolley program uh, problems in the past now with many mm-hmm. of these kids uh they're going to come back two three four five years in a row and so there's always going to be a matter of a, a rotation and as we're talking about different sessions as well again any particular program in any particular camp on any years may or may not happen um but yeah no mm-hmm. it's for us, I mean, it's really based around youth development. We're really lucky to have some amazing people, both on the local and uh, national boards who specialize in youth development. We have a PhD in youth development, on our national board, many educational professionals. Uh, so really looking at the, the real science as far as what kids need, what kind of development they're at. Um, frankly, beyond what, what I used to think of in scouts, uh, they've taken that all to the next level and, and they're doing amazing work in, in getting that implemented on the ground at all the different camps. Interesting. I know that, you know, philosophy, not psychology and all, but do you have any sense of like, are they doing it on a, um, you know, a Montessori kind of mindset or do they have any kind of specific frameworks that they're implementing in those um, developmental structures? Um, you know, I, I don't know if I'm familiar with with the terminology as much okay. as I should be on the Montessori side. I, I know they definitely they seek out the, the knowledge to try and learn and things like that uh, on a much more uh shallow sense i tell the kids that you know they're poorly programmed meat machines and we're here to give you better programming okay i think that's accurate certainly um so what kind of like outdoor activities are you particularly interested in doing when you're not doing the philosophy side of stuff what are the what do you do a lot of high adventure activities yourself are you interested in in particular things Uh, off-roading hiking things like that um oddly Mm -hmm. enough i actually find a, a bit more I don't know if Zen is the right word, but peace in, in archery and more of the shooting sports. Oh, interesting. Do y'all do like uh, riflery as well as archery? Um, I'm, I do not believe any camp quest is currently offering that. Um, hmm. Obviously, growing up in the scouts, I was familiar with black powder and, and um, riflery and things along those lines. But because we rent most of our locations, I don't think it's anything uh, any of our current camps have set up. But uh, archery, I think, is almost universal at camp. Do you all let different people sort of tailor their programs a little bit based on like what skill sets the people there have available? Um, Sure, absolutely. Uh, So those are going to vary a little bit. Um, Also, unfortunately, based on what insurance tells us to do or not do. So that plays an effect 
uh, even on on some uh, properties that say have horses, uh, equestrian programs can be particularly hard based on insurance. Sure. And yeah, I guess riflery is a, a big step up from archery in terms of risk. Um, so if there were like things that are y'all are trying to expand towards, like, do you have a feeling about, you know, four or five years down the line, you'd want to see, um, Camp Quest adding X to its programs? What would that look like? Well, and I think it's without a doubt, um, we've had the, in the last decade, the best summer camp experience, especially for the secular community out there. But Mm -hmm. uh, at many of our camps, even we see a lot of kids that come from mixed families, um, Mm -hmm. and Camp Quest is kind of the neutral ground. They don't want to send them off to Catholic camp. Uh, and so (laughs) we happen to get them, but I'd say even for those kids in that community, we, we run such great camps that, that they see the value and come back. Like I said, the, the real program or the real challenge with running that program it's just such a high barrier to entry. It's hard to affect enough kids. Um, we know with the populations, especially the younger populations, skewing more and more t- uh, towards secularism, that there's going to be more religious materials out there for youth development uh, and out of school information uh, than there is going to be for secular material out there. So we're really looking at expanding that out. Like I said, we, we did just open up that program uh, developer or the program developer program director job. And so that's available mm-hmm. at campquest.org for anyone who wants to take a look at that. And that's to, to really look at ways to be able to, to bring the Camp Quest uh, program and Camp Quest values to more kids. So again, after school programs, day camp programs, um, ongoing programs, where we can send those out and they can be run in the local communities versus us having to, to assist and find local volunteers for each individual camp itself. Sure. Um, so you hopefully also, within five years, instead of having just 20 resident camps, um, that we could be looking at thousands of different camp programs across the U.S. at those different kind of camps and after school programs uh, and different kind of material like that. And there's a way to square that kind of um, non-centralized system with like insurance and it being under your name and all those kinds of things? We're, we're getting there slowly. Like I said, okay. this first step is to is to get this program developer to start developing that program. Um, mm-hmm. Once we have that material handy, we want we definitely want to get in the hands of our community. Um, it doesn't do any good, you know, holding that hostage just for people to come to camp. So, so many people, unfortunately, are in situations where, whether it be financial or time, just can't make it to camp. Uh, and right. there's all of these values, uh, all of this Camp Quest community is going to be just as valuable, if not more so, for those kids as well. Yeah, and do y'all all offer any kind of like scholarships or anything for individuals who ha- might have trouble paying but have the time and want to have the experience? Absolutely. So um, each camp is going to have camperships available. Um, a lot of, depending on your situation, kids are going to be able to go to camp as, as little as free to $100. Um, wow. But uh, I don't want to promote that too much going into this summer, mm-hmm. not knowing what's happening. Um, sure, of course. Again, being so spread out across different states, there's a good chance, or there's at least a chance, I should say, some camps will run, what those will be. Uh, like I said, we've already had three cancel. I don't quite know, but uh, as a note for everyone out there, uh, and this goes for, for I guess, Patreons too, uh, nonprofits, of course, are looking at some hard times with, with money coming in, with events being canceled, uh, and a lot of those things happening. So it's always a good time to give you a favorite nonprofit, whether it be Camp Quest, uh, Embrace the Void, or anything else out there. We appreciate that, but definitely give the camp quest instead of embrace void. Um, so, so 
Well, because, you know, it sounds like y'all are putting out some really important stuff for, like, in the time of COVID, especially for, you know, all the parents I know are trapped inside with their spawn, and, like, it's really rough. So it sounds like y'all are making a lot of resources available that, that could be helpful for people who, who don't have a lot of options, especially going into a summer where they may continue to not have a lot of options. Um, it's going to be a, a hard one for a lot of people. This is at least some resources out there, uh, and I encourage mm-hmm. everyone to check them out. Again, campquest.org. I repeat myself, but, you know, it's in the theme of the Patreon name. Well, that, yes, repetition is how it works, right, Gribbles? <laughs> um, so... I'm sure you could quote someone besides Goebbels for that, but okay. Sorry, it's I was just teaching my kids the other day about, you know, the big lie and how modern advertising is um, directly tied to, you know, effective practices by, by folks like the Nazis. Um, it's, you know, it's a dark show. We, we talk about dark stuff. Um, but it sounds like you'll talk about dark stuff at this camp some, too. So you actually will ask them, like, about death and things, and, and they'll, they'll be happy to talk about those kinds of things? Uh, age appropriately, of course. Um, mm-hmm. And many of our leadership tracks actually have an explicit sign off that when they're going in for their older age programs, um, that some of these more harder philosophical or kind of life topics are, are going to be expected uh, to happen as opposed to be the exception. So what, what do age do you think? Well. Yeah, when do you think it's age appropriate to start talking about death? Um, well, I mean, so we, we have that bright line for us for, um, leadership track where that conversation a bit changes. Uh, for me, it's always going to be age appropriate to talk about death, but especially at those younger ages, you're waiting for kids to bring it up, uh, not to kind of Mm. uh, corner a kid and and say, you know, Hey, you know, statistically someone's grandmother died this week. Can you figure out who? Like that's not the right way to go. There's really no situation in which cornering a kid is the right option and works out. (laughs) A bad sounding phrase. Um, But no, I mean, any age, if a kid is asking questions, any age is going to be the right age to talk about death. Um, But again, as you get into those older um, leadership track conversations, we, we do nudge those to some of those harder conversations much quicker as opposed to kind of seeing where they're going to go. What other kinds of challenging conversations do you push them on to develop them ethically in these ways? You talk, you said it's a very inclusive camp, so I assume you talk about uh, gender issues, I would guess. Sure, gender issues come up. Um, and like I said, actually, a lot of our camps even have gender-inclusive cabins at this point. So mm-hmm. parents can sign their kid up um, to not be in a male or female cabin, but just be in an inclusive cabin. Uh, and so those topics do come up. Consent's a big topic at camp. And I think just with teenagers in general, um, you know, feelings and trust and hurt. These are all things that teenagers aren't good about talking about. So uh, mm-hmm. having them come up and, and having those conversations, I'm lucky enough that as camp director, I'm not the one that actually has to have those conversations because I'd not be the best person for them. Okay. Um, but we do have very, very great and skilled staff uh, out in out West in, in SoCal. Megan Pike is our uh, cabin director. She's an educational professional. She does uh, developmental psychology. She knows youth development. She's been wonderful and really taken the reins on lots of those pieces. Um, I'm trying to figure a way to ask this question in a way that doesn't sound weird, but do y'all talk about sexuality some as well? Do you get into... Uh, yeah, that I mean, topic I'm mm-hmm. sure absolutely comes up in some of these. Okay. So, I mean, it was a question because, you know, like Bucks Rock for the most part, if it was, while it was a free love camp in a lot of ways, was kind of a don't ask, don't tell kind of scenario. Whereas, you know, I was raised in a utilitarian, unitist, not utilitarian, a unitarian universalist church, and <laughs> they had a, like a they sexuality can, course that was very, yeah, it was very, very pro sex and and like useful in contrast with like a lot of the stuff that people are getting in their high school experiences. So I was curious if y'all feel comfortable 
filling that niche a little bit for secular individuals or for sure, you know, any individuals and, for coming to your camp. So I keep doing that. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> um, Trevor up north in California here, uh, he came from the universal Unitarian background as far as camps go. Uh, and mm-hmm. they have a real strong tradition actually around that sexuality uh, in those kind of conversations. So he was able to bring a lot of that knowledge and background uh, into Camp Quest as well. So, I mean, all around, we have just such great volunteers. I was unfortunately limited growing up to the scouts. Uh, and so, you know, in my mindset, I want to show up and make the best Boy Scout camp possible just without the God and stuff. But we mm-hmm. have so many people, uh, whether it be Megan came from Tom Sawyer camps, uh, Trevor coming from the Universal Unitarians. We have others who come from Baptist camps or things like that, but can still take those good pieces uh, as far as the song or the community and try and figure out ways to incorporate those as well. Uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're not going to be against good best practices wherever they happen to come from. Are y'all allowed to have campfires? I just was real. I was just thinking about like y'all are out in California. Is it, are there limitations on the experience that you can have because of things like climate change? And I'm guessing y'all talk about climate change too, right? Sure. Climate change has come up. Um, traditionally we have had campfires that may be changing here. I know mm-hmm. actually Washington state, um, have not been able to have campfire the last couple of years. And they actually turned that into a climate conversation because it is producing, you know, carbon dioxide um, by having a campfire just to watch at. So uh, those are conversations. I think more of those are moving to faux fires in California, depending hmm. on the drought year, we may or may not have a choice with that. How do you feel about that? Are you, are you feel like it's, it, it's manageable or do you, um, all do you the feel like a little lost out there? Of our, mm-hmm. You know, I, I think every, all the sites were out of our, our professionally kept sites. Um, there's no truly like wild camping. We're not pitching tents out in, you know, three miles out in the pine needles. So risks are all minimized. Everything's kind of a developed site, whether the campfires are, um, it, it does create unnecessary carbon emissions. Mm -hmm. So that is something to take a peek at and something we should be looking at minimizing. What's y'all's, what's y'all's like food situation on the sort of spectrum of, um, you know, bug juice to, to something slightly more interesting. Do you, do you all have, are this, uh, and also are, are your campers involved in the food production process at all? Sure. So, I mean, at camp, we're not involved with the food production process. Okay. Um, most you could say is we might have a staff for, uh, help out backing up the Cisco truck for its delivery on Wednesdays, but, okay. um, the kids, I'd say probably absolutely. I, by no means do I, you know, we're not a, a vegan camp. So while I may hold that diet, um, mm-hmm. it is not one that we, we force on the campers. We do have an overpopulation of both vegetarians and vegans compared to the, the baseline. Uh, but I mm-hmm. think that's going to be the case. If you talk to, you know, Nick, when he was talking about his convention, uh, which unfortunately has been pushed off till next year, you know, they see a big overrepresentation for vegetarians and vegans at the American Atheist. So I, I think that's probably about the same. Hmm. Um, and do y'all, I mean, do y'all have like a big, uh, dining hall and everybody just eats at once together or is it like uh, groups eat uh, in various different times a day? Again, so many different facilities. I'd hate to speak okay. universally. Oh, I see. So um, it really depends on the, the setup. I see. Yeah. Most, most setups, the kids are going to be eating, um, at the same time, you know, in a big dining hall in a mess hall type situation. Who knows what COVID does to all of that? Uh, <laughs> there's Ooh, a lot of yeah. questions I think Oof. that might be pulling up. So, uh, yeah. It does change site to site. Um, the location is going to matter uh, because we do rent sites uh, from different organizations. Of course, we have some say over how that goes schedule wise, but not necessarily perfect. So mm-hmm. asterisks together, but that that does change a little bit. 
Yeah, fair enough. Are y'all doing, so like some of the online stuff that y'all are putting together for folks, are you suggesting ways that people can sort of supplement their engagement with nature, given the current situation, either by like going out in more circumspect kind of ways or by, you know, I don't know, messing around on Google Earth or something like, uh, (laughs) you know. Haven't taken a virtual hike yet. Um, right. I do know a lot of our, our local camps because, again, we're running in so many different states of different um, different operations. They are trying to keep some of that local community going. A lot of these kids, like I said, the only time or the only other secular kid they know is their friends from summer camp. And so they look forward the whole year to getting back together, having that community. So I know mm-hmm. it's been a, a tough time for a lot of people, whether as some camps get canceled or, or as people worried that others are going to be canceled. But I know a lot of those those more local groups have has started focusing on ways to still get together this summer, still have some of that shared experience and community, uh, exactly what you're talking about, whether it be finding ways to do that outdoors, um, but more importantly, making sure those kids come together and don't lose those bonds. Fair enough. Do y'all do like, um, like traditional survival training kind of stuff? Do you do like knots and um, how to build a lean to and things like that kind of stuff as well? Sure. So in Southern California, that's typically handled during elective slots. Um, and so mm-hmm. kids who are more interested in that are going to be able to to gravitate towards that. Others might have creative writing in that same time. We've done juggling or yo-yo tricks in that same time. So that is going to give you quite the variety. Um, there's not an express track of, say, you know, uh, like a merit badge system that you have in the scouts. Uh, but there is definitely that option for those who want to seek that out when they go out into the woods. And you just mentioned elective slots. Do you all have like, do the kids, the students, uh, or sorry, <laughs> do the campers schedule <laughs> their different, different code for different people, at different times. Uh, do the campers schedule their whole days out in some kind of way? Do they get to like, I'm going to do this during this hour and then some archery afterwards, or do they just kind of, how does that sure, work? And so uh, it will vary a little bit, but I'd say a, a typical one of our, our schedules you'd see, um, you know, free thought extravaganza or things like free thought heroes and kind of these shared activities in the morning, perhaps even a circle or team games or things like that uh, before before lunch, before things get too hot. Uh, then you can have a Socrates cafe. After that, you have some free time so you can choose to do rock climbing or swimming or archery or all the normal kind of camp stuff you would do. Uh, and then in Southern California and a lot of other camps as well, we have a block of those electives so they can pick um, a different or basically an elective, but they're going back to that the whole week to develop a deeper skill. So in this case, whether that be, you know, doing creative writing or poetry, or they could be doing things like survival uh, in the woods or not tying or orienteering along those mm-hmm. lines as well. Mm-hmm. If something's not like immediately offered, but a student or camper has interest, can they like petition to get a new activity going or something? Oh, all you have to do is find a staff with enough interest in the materials. Um, A lot of a lot of those electives, especially are what you're going to have that varies based on staff interest and what they're able to kind of come up. And we really find what so much of the staff, what their passions are, what they're going to be able to, you know, pass along the best and pass along the most honestly. And so a lot of what those, um, you know, free time, like I said, is pretty set based on the materials available. So archery or arts and crafts or hiking or canoeing. Uh, but those electives can be pretty all over the place, depending what those unique staffers bring to the picture and what they, they really think would be unique to pass on the kids. Now, yeah. some of those like rocketry got picked up very quick and is always very popular. Um, mm-hmm. Other ones we've seen have, you know, waxing and waning interest. Uh, but all it takes is a couple of kids to really want to do it to fill up a class. 
So what's y'all's general ratio in terms of, I know it probably varies, like you were saying, place to place, but do y'all have a sort of goal that you're shooting for in terms of campers to counselors? Um, Sure. And um, I'd say in Southern California, the way that we break out uh, with different staff roles, with cabin staff roles, with program staff roles, uh, we're probably about a total three to one. Um, Obviously, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, supervision ratios. At any particular time, you always have to have one to uh, ten. But right. as far as total people on camp, one to three, one to four is what we're typically looking at for those age ranges. Um, that would be higher if the age range skewed younger. Uh, it could be lower if it's skewing a little bit older, but we'd want to take a look at that mix. And at your place, what's the average sort of week to week population of campers? Um, and so we typically do in Southern California about 100 kids per session. Um, again, that's mm-hmm. going to vary depending on the location, uh, depending on the capacity. Uh, we have some camps that sell out within hours of, of posting the registration online. Um, hmm. And so that's always unique. So we'll take a look and, and camps will build up wait lists and things like that. We have many camps that just are at the capacity and it's a matter of uh, finding more volunteers to put on more hours and, and more weeks. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that y'all do rock climbing. Do y'all do like artificial? Do you have a wall or something? Or do you have like climbing areas that, that you can do off the side of actual hills or cliffs? I, I only want to speak to Southern California on that one. They actually have sure. um, an artificial uh, rock wall on that one. And then outside staff, they can bring in for insurance and things along those lines to make sure everything's all safe and harnessed in. Uh, right. Again, okay. other camps are going to have uh, different programs, but I'm sure, I mean, we have great volunteers at all of our locations, so I'm sure they're going to be all just as as exciting uh, and just as passionate about their projects what they have available as well. Do you all do anything like competitions? Do you do like archery competitions or anything? Or is it, do you, do you sort of skew away from that in the more modern sort <laughs> of working towards collaborative rather than competitive models? Um, I mean, and so often when you're saying doing archery at free time, you're not going to really get to a uh, a point where kids could uh shoot with any kind of uh, accuracy consistently so i don't know how much uh that is necessarily a a goal i do know with some of the older kids the way they structure some of them they are can they can be in a competitive setting um but oftentimes it does play into the lesson itself so uh i I don't want to speak universally on that one i wouldn't say competitiveness is in the in the core of camp quest philosophy by any means um Mm -hmm. but have seen it pop up is your are your campsites often overrun by things like magic the gathering do you um, get people playing a lot of like card games and things in, in in between activities you know what if it was magic the gathering i would be able to recognize it whatever the kids do these days there, there's things <laughs> but i don't know what they are anymore. there's, there's um, flashy shiny cards and you don't understand them <laughs> yeah we, we've moved far past magic the gathering i mean that that was that was my era and your era i'm sure but mm-hmm is it some sort of Yu-Gi-Oh Pokemon hybrid creature at right, this but, point? You know, you'd be surprised. Uh, even at our camp, we don't allow electronics uh, anyways, but cell phones wouldn't work even if they managed to try and sneak one in. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just for many kids, it's the first time they've been without their phone. It's funny to think of a 13-year-old having been without their phone for five years, but um, sometimes that's the case where kids are getting that digital diet just as much as uh, us adults think we need one too. Do you get 
so so a major issue we had at box rock was that there was a big debate about the phones and its relation to homesickness i don't know how much y'all deal with home i mean given that you're only getting a week i don't know how much they if you have like issues like that iron out pretty quickly or if you sometimes like succumb to giving them back some sort of like sounds like you can't give them phone service but um some way to like access their parents if they're feeling particularly homesick well, actually, homesickness studies, and this is where I'd go back to those youth development professionals that we have. Sure, uh, there's, there's a debate uh, about local this, right? and, Yeah, but um, it would seem the information that they're giving me, that, that homesickness only gets worse by calling home, at least when you're looking at the, the week-long process. Sure, um, I, I think that and, is a dominant view for sure, yeah. And so, yeah, finding something instead that they're going to have fun with, uh, finding an activity, keeping them busy is a better way of going, and then usually a day or two in, you're not homesick anymore. Um, again, I'm going off of what the professionals are telling me, but that that seems to be the 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 best theory for that that is working. Yeah, that was what we had sort of settled on, roughly speaking, at Bucks Rock. It was it's just always sort of, you know, it's hard to know. It's hard to insert, especially in, in like particularly um, hard cases. Um, so, well, if you ask any kid, that's always going to be a hard case. I've learned that, you know. Mm, 10 13 uh-huh. 14 year olds if you if you ask these guys it's always going to be the most dire circumstances but like i said we're a little bit lucky that uh cell phones wouldn't work even if i wanted to be sympathetic uh but i don't have to be sympathetic so you adopt a kind of paternalist approach and then wash your hands of it because of the circumstances is that what you're saying to me well for me I, I, like i said i am lucky that i don't get to be that front lines uh as okay, director, i'm more of the principal and mm-hmm. so i always tell the kids if i learn their name it's a bad sign something's happened um and so yeah, I always either take that paternalistic approach. Do you all get much sort of conflict that gets escalated to those kinds of levels? Oh no, no, no. That's it's it's more of a uh, a threat. Yeah. Not a, you know, I can't even say a threat. It's but yeah, I'm sure. I'm the administrative person at camp that they don't want to talk to, uh, and that's usually for the better because yeah, the mm-hmm. kids will come up to me and and want to say goodbye at the end of the week, and I'll be like, no, kids have germs, go away. And, Mm-hmm. Do you have any um, super cringy things that you really enjoy that you force upon them because you're the principal and they can't complain? Um, like some guitar solos that you uh, really think are killer? Well, I I am stacked with many and many uh, camp songs, and particularly cringy ones that, that I always love mm-hmm. going to. But the other thing that I get to do as camp director is typically do the meal assemblies. Um, and again, not mm-hmm. a vegan camp, but when you put the, the vegan in charge of you know, telling everyone what's in for the meal and allowing people to go in. <laughs> you, you can give them some good look. I don't even find out what's going on. Just tell them it's frog legs and fried peat moss patties today. Mm-hmm. Do you do it over like a loudspeaker, like classic style, um, like meatballs? Oh, no, just you got to be loud. You just got to be loud. Okay. You just got to be loud. I mean, 100 kids, right? You can overpower 100 kids. Uh, Yeah, generally speaking, I think that's right. <laughs> you speak from the diaphragm, right? You got a you little, do, little yeah, theater background. Voice. Right, exactly. Um, so I, we're getting close to the end here, and I need to get you to our lightning round. Do you want to give any oh, no. final thoughts? Yep, yep, that still has to happen. Um, <laughs> um, you, you forgot about everyone, that. Everyone, of course, uh, check out campquest.org. Uh, Camp Quest is an amazing program, but even for whatever reason, that doesn't um, tickle you the way that you'd like. I know Nick Fish was on recently. American Atheist is another great organization. Stephanie Savan, or Savan uh, was on last year. I know she uh, with uh, Secular Woman has some great information. Really, any of the Secular Coalition for America um, groups, there's so many out there. There's, there's going to be something for everyone in that atheist movement. Uh, if you mm-hmm. find yourself aligned and you have, have some free time, uh, finding a way to, to give back to that community, getting involved, I know for me, it always makes me feel like I, I can do something, uh, even without the free will. But 
a way to try and give back for so many that are, are stuck at home. It'd be find that organization. Um, that'd be secular.org for that whole secular coalition for America list. So whether it be mm-hmm. secular student Alliance, uh, American atheists, secular woman camp quest, so many great options out there doing a lot of great and important work. Uh, and all of it's very needed right now. I'm excited. That the void is slowly catching you all like Pokemon. Eventually we'll have all of the, all of the seculars. Um, and, and let me just ask you one more quick question. Is there any way to volunteer if let's say I can't do a full week, can I still be involved in some kind of way or is it really, you gotta, you gotta commit so to that one whole week? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and week long volunteers um, at the camps are obviously important. There, there are frontline volunteers that, that make everything happen, but right. um, all our camps, all these camps take so much work uh, throughout the year to put on. So we have amazing volunteers uh, in each one of our local regions, but they're doing things like planning, you know, whether it be things like schedules or putting together programs or putting together purchases and items. All of that work is work that happens throughout the year and is something that people can try and do as well. Uh, and so for that one, again, campquest.org, you can look up your local camp and get in contact and we can see what kind of role we can find. You know, besides just the fact, you know, treasurers and accountants or lawyers out there always have some professional experience that your local nonprofit could use as well. So Mm -hmm. I encourage everyone to try and get involved in in some kind of organization uh, that you see is doing good in the world. Well, since I'm not a lawyer, I'll give you a greater gift, which is the gift of I'll try to help out with some ethics of some sort. (laughs) Maybe I can develop some short supply ethics and theater people. We'll take both of those. Oh, and I'm both of those. So I'm I'm very much on board. Um, It sounds really great. And I'm glad that you reached out so that we could we could chat about all these things. So that being said, I now have to put you into the gauntlet. Uh, so we're going to do the lightning round. Um, you are familiar with this, but for folks who this is their first time, I'm going to give you a series of things. You're going to tell me if those things are real or not real. Those are your two options. You cannot hedge. You cannot explain yourself. Uh, you can complain a little bit afterwards because we got a little bit of time. But other than that, that's all you get. You ready? Um, can you define real first? No, there is no defining here. I thought it'd be more, you know, opposite of philosophy is a good try though. Um, no real or not real. Are you ready? Uh, yes. Okay. Is anything real? Yes. Okay. Let's find out what's real. Is the external world real? Fake. Fake. Okay. Colors. Fake. Phenomenal consciousness. Real. Free will. Not will. Not real. Selves or persons real okay genders not real races not real species not real morality if you call it ethics sure synonymous yes (laughs) uh great okay rights real knowledge real god or gods (laughs) just no (laughs) society real numbers not real fictional characters not real holes isn't a hole in the ground not real chairs not real sandwiches you know real (laughs) science real natural laws Oh, that's uh, real. Philosopher <laughs> of science person complains a lot. Uh, beauty. Real. Causality. Oh, yeah. No, causality is real. 
Okay. And finally, dharmas. And you don't want to objective, subjective, clarify that? No, dharmas. Not real. Okay. Did you want to venture spleen about natural laws? Uh, no, because that will just open up a door to anything else. <laughs> Pandora's box. Uh, well, you I mean, survived. You How do you get feel? Any of these? Um, you know, I thought about it beforehand. I thought it'd be best to go in without a list, and I think it's changed like three times in the last day. So, you know, appropriately torn. Yeah. What does that tell you about reality that has changed three times in the past couple of days? Well, just the reality of reality. Yeah, or the irreality of reality. Well, that, way. Know, probably free will doesn't exist. Otherwise, Fair it's enough. very fickle. Yep, I agree on both counts. Um, <laughs> well, well, Neil, this has been a lot of fun, and I think you've you've mentioned a, a couple of times, but just one more time, where should people go? Right. Well, uh, campquest.org uh, would be the, the appropriate website for a place called Camp Quest. Name's not actually campquest.org. Just, you know, that's the repetition to get it in everyone's head. Uh, so campquest.org, campquest.org, campquest.org. Um, but really everyone, <laughs> so many great organizations out there, uh, secular.org would give you a, a pretty big list. Any of those ones are going to be very well vetted and just amazing in what they do. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. And I can't wait to have somebody else hear this message and come on and also be a secular person. And we'll just keep well, f- working through the food chain. Well, I think Alliance was the one I mentioned that, that hasn't been here yet. You haven't seen Kevin. So Kevin, I hereby challenge oh, you well, to get I had, out there. I had Ryan Bell on, but I haven't had. Oh, that's true. Yeah, no, Ryan Kevin. Ryan is uh, the other guy over there, so he's a good one. Um, okay. I don't think Ryan mentioned Camp Quest. Ryan, bet on you. He's just down the street, too. Oh, burn. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, this <laughs> um, Kevin person. They will be next. Um, Freedom from Religion Foundation. I guess uh, Andrew Seidel, one of those, would be one of them. Oh, yeah. No, I should totally get Andrew Seidel on. He's a little busy, though, being on every other podcast all the time forever. Um, well, but you're right. I, I should get him on. Freedom from Religion Foundation is another one doing amazing work. Um, and I would be, uh, well, mentioning them, I'd also have to say they're one of our, our, our big funders for camperships, people going to camps for, for free or reduced costs. So Freedom from Religion Foundation is another one that always deserves a, a positive shout out and people there to check them out. Yeah, strong agree on that one. If anybody's looking for nonprofits that need help that are doing good work, they're, they're great stuff. After you've given all the money to campquest.org, uh, after right. you've gone through some of these other ones too. but And after you've made the void filthy rich. Um, right. Uh, I, you only have one dark money at this point still. I think you need a few more. That's true. But it is a very, very dark money. It's just like you stare into it and like no light escapes. It's pretty cool. Um, okay. So thank you so much, Neil. This has been a lot of fun. And um, we really appreciate your support of the show and all the work that you are doing for all of these young individuals. No, thank you. And thank all the amazing volunteers out there doing the great things for Camp Quest uh, at the local organizations, uh, even on the national side, doing all this great work, too. Yeah, so amazing. Thank you all so much. Have a great one. Thanks again to all our listeners, and especially to our patrons who make the show possible. I want to give a shout out to two new patrons. One is the T for Two podcast, and another is a top tier $40 a month patron who has chosen to remain anonymous, which means we can cross backed by dark money off our cult bingo card. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. And as always, I must thank our top tier patrons, our $20 tier patrons, Jude Law's Canadian Accent and Existence Makes My Pussy Throb, 
volunteer this summer. Learn more at campquest.org. Certainly got your money's worth on that one this week. Uh, Chad T. and Jesse Urbinowitz and Brenda Goodman. And thanks to our forever and eternity top patron, Dave Maslich. Thank you all so very much. If you'd like to support the show, please leave us a five-star rating and review on your podcast app. Please follow us on Twitter at ETVPod. And if you are an eccentric billionaire or if you notice just a small void growing within you, consider supporting us financially at patreon.com slash embrace the void. Just $4 a month gets you our bonus book club content. But most importantly, remember... You are the void, and the void is you. Mm-hmm.